that screen With a curly haired guy What on earth does it mean I'd like to show you The value of a dollar We're gonna find out What it's worth Welcome back to Fantasy Insanity. I am joined once again by Mark Margosian. Tonight he's not here to talk about his MFL addiction. He's actually here to talk about my favorite kind of fantasy football, and I believe it's his kind, his favorite kind as well. Salary cap leagues. If you've never played in one, trust me, try it, and you will love it. Give it a shot. You're you're not going to want to go back. It is a completely different kind of fantasy football. It is different than dynasty, even in a dynasty league. It's different. There's turnover in salary cap league. There is so much more involved in a salary cap league than, than I have ever seen in any other kind of fantasy football. I started playing in it a couple of years ago and just absolutely fell in love. So, Mike, thanks for joining me again to talk about salary cap leagues. How do you feel about them? Oh, I love them. Love them. A lot of work, but they're a lot of fun. A lot of fun, John. They, they are a lot more work. It, it's, it's not simple. So Mike goes the full spectrum from the best ball where you do your draft and then you're finished. And there's no involvement after that. Whereas a salary cap league, there is heavy involvement if you want to be successful. You can certainly sign a bunch of crummy players and then do nothing else and you will never, ever win. So there are, as you will discover tonight as we're talking, there are many different ways to do a salary cap league. I sent Mike my rules. He sent me his rules. They are very different. They're both salary cap leagues, but they are run extremely different. So there's no real one way to talk about a salary cap league. So what we're basically going to do is talk about both of our leagues. And if you're thinking of forming a salary cap league, pull some from him, pull some from mine, try and piece it together. At least we'll give you some ideas on where you can start a salary cap league. So Mike, how do you do your start? In a salary cap league. Wow. So this, so the one we're going to talk about is 100% homegrown. Uh, so this started in 2007, I think, around 2007. And it started, I was at a, uh, I was a research analyst at an IT market research company. So just a lot of analysts around, a lot of, you know, data heavy, data heavy kind of minds like that. So I was talking to one guy who actually had created a league. And he was explaining it and showing me his roster. You know, I think he had Marcus Colston as a rookie or something. And, you know, it's that long ago. And just going through, and it just sounded awesome. I was like, this is cool. And he's like, he's like, oh, I'm thinking about cutting this guy, or but it would cost me this much money. Or, you know, I'm thinking about trading this guy, but he's making this much money. I'm like, what are you talking about? All I do is redraft. It's like, what the hell is this? So I was looking at me and all this kind of stuff. And his was, he was a complete, you know, analyst and, you know, even more nerdy than me. Just, he had rules in there for, you know, I can hit on this later, but for cutting a player's using net present value of the player, like a depreciating asset, like this whole crazy (laughs) formula. It was just way over-engineered. But so he kind of got me, got my mind kind of peaked on that. And I ended up creating this league from the ground up. And actually, you know, been active on this kind of tech forum, you know, and there's a kind of a fantasy football section where all of us kind of talked and whatnot. So we kind of hit some of the guys up there and we decided to start this uh, contract league. We had no idea what we were doing. You know, I kind of got this shell 
of a rule of a league from this guy and we kind of all looked at it and saw these rules and the net present value and we're like what the hell is going on here we're not doing this part like so we started you know axing some rules and kind of simplifying it and making it less you know you know mit level made it a little more approachable and kind of just started hammering out the rules you know just kind of trying to figure out hey let's just make it simple to a hundred dollar cap you know i know you do yours in the millions we just kind of keep it really simple just hundred dollar cap so it's not even not even saying millions so, we we'll, we I, I will say we do the millions because that's what all the the auction cheat sheets yeah. <laughs> were all graded like in millions. Yeah. Uh, that was actually when I when when I started it, the one I run, I talked about that with everybody. You know, how do you guys want to do this? It it's all a scale, so it it doesn't matter. It's fake numbers that we're throwing out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it doesn't matter. But everybody said, you know what? Let's just go with none of us in the group that I started it with had ever done anything like this before. So we said, let's just go with kind of what the cheat sheets for auctions use. It'll give us somewhat of a baseline. We, we thought <laughs> we were so wrong. I mean, that's, that's funny. Cause yeah, you kind of looked up, you know, kind of how some places have done it and that kind of stuff. And we were forming it. We, we'd all done kind of a couple of redraft leagues before together, kind of that group, but none of us had done a contract league. None of us had, you know, even heard of a dynasty league or, you know, had done a keeper league or anything. So we kind of set this up. We kind of, like I said, kind of hammered out some of the rules. We're like, oh, how many players you want on the team? You know, let's say we'll do the $100 budget. You know, what positions you want, what scoring you want. Just kind of keep it simple like that. And we had no idea what we were doing for, you know, how to sign a player, how to, what the cut cost is, or, you know, how many years you can sign them for. Just all that kind of stuff. We know what you were doing. So we're just kind of guessing. So if, if you're out there and listening, this is exactly what it's like starting a salary cap league. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I did try and do some research to find out if there was anything. It was challenging to find out the information that I was looking for. I knew how I wanted to set mine up, but I couldn't find anything that kind of backed any of that information up. So like Mike did, I just talked it over with my brother who... I started the league with and then my best friend who was obviously jumping in the league because he does everything that I do with fantasy football. So we went back and forth, back and forth, just throwing all kinds of ideas out, trying to figure it out. And we eventually did start to narrow it down. And that's in most situations, I think writing your rules first and then finding owners is a great idea. And if you want to do that, you will probably find enough people to do it. But if you want to help forming a salary cap league in this situation i found it extremely helpful to have a couple of other guys who think about fantasy football somewhere close to the level that i do they might not think about it 24 hours a day but they're thinking about it a lot of hours a day so we bounced ideas and that that seemed to give us at least a pretty good baseline yeah i mean that you're kind of process definitely sounds similar to mine where you kind of you kind of got to get that general baseline realize things are going to change you know we kind of level set where hey we're not sure if this is going to work but we all kind of agree to change it for the better going forward let's see how this see how this works so from from this you should understand that as you're going through this league you're not going to get it perfect the first time Reach out to me, reach out to Mike, ask us how ours are set up. You can look at, I will send you the Excel sheet that I have. It's crazy. I've seen Mike's Excel sheet. It's also crazy. <laughs> uh, I can tell you, I, I spent 
way more time than you could even guess. I'm imagining Mike did as well. I asked yep. him how long he spent on it, and he said, you don't even want to know. So <laughs> I, I'm guessing the number of hours is probably approaching the triple digits. That's how much time went into writing these Excel sheets. I know I know. I spent a lot of time. I'm not, a, I'm not an expert on Excel, but I learned a lot on Excel. I've never seen, I've never written a function that, takes up, you know, so much in the taskbar that it goes to the next, the taskbar flips over. So I have done that now. That is part of forming a salary cap league. We're just going to go ahead and start now on basically the formation of the league. You know, we kind of, that's how you bounce, that's how you set up your rules is you bounce it back and forth until you have something set. So once you've decided on that, you've got your owners, how did you start up picking players? Uh, we just did. I think we did a pretty straight draft. I think we assigned, I'm, it is, like I said, it's approaching 10 years ago. It is, uh, memory is not the best. And unfortunately, we had all our files saved on a forum that we were uploading files to. And somehow it got blown out and oh, no. got lost. We lost. So I don't have any roster files from prior to like 2012, which stinks. <laughs> they have, I, we recreated a lot of the rookie picks and that kind of stuff, which was good, but we don't have some of the, the individual roster files, which which definitely stinks. But right, so you guys, you guys started with a draft then. So you just yeah, we did, we did a snake draft. A yeah. snake draft, and then after you picked your players, you assigned you know money and years. How did you decide well, we did, how to do that? So we have. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, so we I think we assigned dollars for the round. Okay. And then you could sign up for how many years you wanted. You could sign up for anywhere from one to five years. So like the first round, the guys were, you know, 15 bucks or whatever they, whatever they were, no matter where they were in the round. We might have done a slight sliding scale, you know, in the first couple of rounds, but kind of did that. It probably isn't the best approach, kind of looking back on it. Like I said, did no idea what we were doing. You know, we just kind of wanted to get the teams formed and looking back on it, you know, some kind of auction might have made the best, best sense. But, oh, well, speaking of yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> so how was your, how did you start? The, the, I will never forget the night that we started ours because it was amazing. If you want to start one of these, I highly recommend an auction. Uh, I had the other seven guys over, and we did a live auction. My, my league runs as, like he said, it's, we have a $200 million cap. Well, each million dollars equals an actual dime in real money. So the maximum you can pay if you're at 200 million is $20, you will find eventually you can go over that cap by certain ways. So you end up paying more in certain situations. But if you're really good, you could actually win this league for, you know, a $10 paying $10 while somebody else might be paying 30. So we did start it with an auction and everybody was allotted $200 million. We drew an order and each person had to nominate a player and it came to them. So the first person nominated a player, and we bid. You just bid dollars to start. Once the bidding stopped at dollars, the person that won that auction then had the choice. We have a four-year uh, contract limit on our players. If they went straight to four years, then it opened back up to money, meaning if they said, I want to pay this guy $20 million and the bidding stopped there, and then they chose four years, somebody else could then overbid that, but the years were set in stone at that point. So they could go up to 21 million, but it had to be four years, 22 million. If the person chose to do just 1 million, 
somebody could then outbid them in years. So if somebody said 20 million for one year, somebody could say, I'll pay that for two years. Again, once it maxed at four years, it went back to the money. So then once the money, the money in the years were set, we programmed that into the computer, the Excel sheet, that person's cap took a hit and we moved on to the next player. Both ways are, are easy options to starting one of these. There's no right or wrong. I, I liked what we did just because it was fun and entertaining and you had a chance at every single player, but I'm a, I'm an auction fan. So. And I think if you're doing it online versus in person, it's obviously a little, little tougher to do an online auction, especially a live online auction. You have yeah. to really coordinate the times and everything like that. But in person, yeah, if you could do the auction, that'd be great. I've been trying to switch my home league to auction. That has not happened. Uh, how many players do you t have on you know your roster? So we have, uh, the max we can do is 28. It used to be 30, but we eliminated kickers and we kind of eliminated two spots because most people had two kickers. Yeah, we've got, we've got uh, 10 teams in our league as well. We started out at eight, like I said, for that first year, but we expanded after the first year because we realized the player pool was deep enough to do it. And I had a couple of guys that were pretty interested in jumping into it. So we th figured we would expand. I, I will touch on that a little bit on how we did that uh we have 20 roster spots then we also have two ir spots we don't have a taxi squad yet <laughs> it is going to be instilled this year i'm putting it in it, it's going to happen do you guys have a taxi in yours at all no but after listening to your you know one of the your recent podcasts and you know just you bringing up taxi squad a few times tonight <laughs> i think i'm definitely going to bring that up to this league to bring up a taxi squad of some sort yeah, I, I like it. I, I think my my goal of how I want to initiate it is basically it's not going to count against your 20-man roster hit, but it will count against your salary cap still. And it will have to be a player that obviously you buy in the auction. Mm -hmm. Each each year we still – we well, I'll just – every year now we open the season with an auction. We don't have off-season movement. You can make trades, but there's no pickups, anything like that. So before the season starts this year, everybody will come together and we'll have an auction where all the rookies, all the free agents will be eligible for auction. And as long as you have a roster spot and you're under the salary cap, you are required to make a nomination when it comes to you. We do oh, one so you, guy, you, have to, you have to fill your roster? Or spend out to your salary cap. Okay. So if you hit $200 million, you're done. And we have one guy that like – he buys like 10 players, they're all good players, and then he just picks up 10 more off the waiver wire. He's done it two years in a row. I'm sure he'll do it again this year. So it's a different strategy. He's, he's like, why wouldn't I just take 10 great players that I can switch in and out, you know? Oh, so, so that's, that's, a, that's another difference there. So if you pick up a guy off a of waiver wire, it costs you zero, or you can go over the cap. Is that over the cap thing? You no, our, ours, our, our waiver wires... <laughs> This is one rule that I've already changed for this upcoming year. In the past, our waivers ran as basically an open auction for a player. You would nominate the player on the message board, and then you would obviously you're going to nominate them for zero at the start. If somebody else wanted to bid, they could bid a half million, and then somebody else could bid a million, and then it went up from there in $1 million increments or more. So the minimum was zero, then a half, then one. There's no extensions beyond the year that you're getting them if they're a free agent. So if you're picking up somebody off the waiver wire, you get them for the rest of that year. I've changed that. I, that rule was okay, but it was a hell of a lot of work on me because mm. I, I had to wait. I, there were so many pickups, and I had to wait, and then you know somebody would be picked up. 
we gave a 24-hour waiver period or 24-hour period where if nobody bid on the message board, that person won them. Of course, then that player, that person had to go and cut somebody off their roster. So it was it wasn't a terrible way because it gave that open market feel, but at the same time, it was a lot of work on me, which I wanted to simplify. So this upcoming year, what we're going to do is waivers will open on Tuesday. If you are the first person to pick up a player on Tuesday, uh, in the past, we didn't have actual waiver pickups. I just assigned the player as, with, as the commissioner to that roster once they won. Again, yeah. more work on me. Now we're going to have open waivers. If you pick up a player on Tuesday, it costs you $5 million. And on Tuesday, if somebody else picks up a player that you want to bid more than $5 million on, we will still have the open market bidding. That'll take place on the message board. You can bid all the way up to the top of your cap if you want. After Tuesday, the pickups are assigned a financial value. It's uh, So $5 million on Tuesday, $4 million Wednesday, $3 million Thursday, $2 million Friday, $1 million on Saturday. Sunday games, free pickup. If you pick them up on Sunday to play them, costs you absolutely nothing. If you do do a pickup on Thursday, as long as it's like right before the game, it also costs you zero. So okay. uh, I, I figure that's going to be way simpler on me because all I'll have to do is look at the, look at the, you know, the waiver list once I won't have to do any play, <laughs> any roster assigning. They'll be on that roster. The person will have already cut the player they want. The only issue will be if somebody wants to outbid somebody on Tuesday. So yeah. how do you guys do your waivers? I would say that sounds like, sounds like a giant game of chicken. Just how late can you wait? Oh, oh it is. That's oh, it's going to, it's going to be, awesome. especially t- towards the end of the season. Uh, I mean, most people are close to their cap. Because a lot of people don't, it's really tough to save it, especially when you're doing a live auction. It's so, yeah. much, it's so much fun. You really get into it. So if you can't save your cap, you're dying to get that player for $1 million. So, and your, your opponent, in this particular league, the people watch the other people's cap space. Sure. So, I mean, there, were, there have been many times where somebody's bid for a player and the opponent they're playing that week bid just enough that they can't match it. Yeah. That's so, a strategy. It is. It's the right <laughs> strategy to go. So how do you guys do your waivers in your league? So we do kind of some somewhat of a similar setup. So we do, you know, it's not just open waivers or anything like that. So going into, you know, we have the rookie draft. I'll, I'll hit on that in a minute. But so after the rookie draft, we do free agent pickup. This is, you know, preseason. So that is each day we have a, you know, a form we use. So each day a person can nominate two players. That's you can just nominate two, so they can't you know, go crazy. So you can nominate two, and you can bid and hold all. We do hold it all around now, so you can bid. The lowest bid is one dollar for one year. So people have forty-eight hours from the last bid to bid before the person wins it, and they can outbid the person by either increasing the years, so they can go one dollar for two years, so what one dollar a year, or you know one dollar for five years. You can kind of do that. And the next person has to outbid them. So they can do, like I said, more years or they can do more dollars. So you can do $2 for one year. So, but if someone bids $2 for three years, the next person can do $3 for one year. So our years can actually fluctuate. They can go back and forth. So that's the, the per year price is what, what basically takes over the lead? Yep. The per year price or if the price is the same, more years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if someone bids, you know, one dollar for five years, the next person has to bid the two dollars. Has to but go. They up. Do, but they can do it for one year too, and even though the total contract is worth more for one and five, 
yeah. the two for one would get it. Yeah, we don't care about the total contract. Yeah, it's the okay. years and the dollars per year. So one strategy is people bid the $1 for five years so for kind of a cheap flyer. So it kind of forces someone to think, hey, do I want to bid the $2? Is the guy worth $2? So you can kind of box box each other out. Or if the yeah. guy is kind of a little better, you can open their bid at $2 for five years. So then the guy's, oh, he's really not worth three, so I'm not going to worth bother with that. So that's how we do the, the free the preseason pickups. Okay. Kind of the bid, bidding like that. So that gets pretty crazy because, as you know, in the contract years, each year there's, you know, studs hitting the market. You know, this year we have, like, Mark Ingram. Uh, who else do we have? Yeah, but so we got some, so we got some big guys hitting hitting the market. Yeah. Um, oh, I should say, mine is, mine is super flex as well, so. Oh, okay. So, it's, yes. Our quarterbacks, yeah, we just have a regular one. But we still have back. Actually, Kim Newton's hitting the, the market this year. He's pretty much the only good quarterback. So that's going to be a bidding war on him if you need a quarterback. But yeah, we, we have some big guys like A.J. Green, Antonio Brown, Des Bryant are all free agents this year. Julio, Demarius uh, Thomas, geez, a lot of guys. <laughs> <Jordan> <laughs> Mike's got to go. He's got to go study right now. He's, uh, he's prepping for his, for his uh, r- r- free agent draft. <laughs> I'm, I'm salivating over here. But uh, – <laughs> So he did just get a big, huge smile on his face yeah. <laughs> when he looked at that free agent list. He's stoked. He can't wait now. <laughs> some of those guys are going to get franchised, and I'll, I'll, I can hit on that later. But, uh, yeah, so some of those guys will hit the market. But So that's how we do the, the free agent or the preseason pickups. But in season, so you can nominate a guy at any time, and it's the same thing. It has to be 48 hours after the last bid. But we institute a rule for in season called the match rule. So if you... If you bid, you know, $1 for two years and then someone outbids you $1 for three years, instead of outbidding them, since you open the bidding, you can actually just say, I'm going to match you. So then now you take over the bidding at one in three years. So you actually match the highest bid. So it kind of gives an advantage to the person that nominates the player. So if you kind of did the due diligence of finding the player to nominate, so you kind of get the inside track. So you don't have to bid that $1 for five years to box them out. You can bid the one dollar for one year, and then if someone tries to outbid you one dollar for five years, you can just match them. You don't have to go to the two dollars. Yeah, so that's so kind of a little when, wrinkle. So that when you find somebody and you want to nominate them, and then everybody says, "Oh, who's this person? I, I really want." Oh, now I know who this person is. Oh, yeah. I want them. Yeah, they can. They can still bid you up a little bit, of course, but they can't outbid you. Yeah, you can just match them. So it kind of save it. Kind of saves the person, you know, a few bucks that it ends up nominating the player. Yeah, I, I do like that. I like that you guys can match because it, it does give the it does give the person that hey you found them for finders keepers you know yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> you've got their squatters rights or something like that so that that is very that that that's nice we we don't have that because we either have to outbid yeah or you're not or you're not getting the player so you you touched on the fact that you guys have franchising. Um, I don't have that. We don't have any kind of an extension yet. And that's that's something that I need to bring up at the next auction. <laughs> I have I have a list of notes of things. I am we're going into my third year. So we are still kind of forming things. Yeah. And if you're starting a league like this, rely on somebody that's already gone through it because there's just there's no way to know everything that you want to put in at the first year. Uh, like I said, I'm adding taxis this year. I really want to add franchising because, man, that sucks when you lose a player that you've had an allegiance to for so many years and they've been great for you, and now all of a sudden you just have no control over them. So 
How do you guys do your franchising? So we first, uh, so, so we do it is we look at, you, know, you look at not the, we exclude the current year, first of all, and kind of factoring this in. We look at years two through, you know, five, whatever's left, and take the average for that position of the, the f- top five players for there. So just kind of giving you an example, so we have the $125 cap. So running backs, of course, are expensive because they're, you know, rare and get bit up a lot. So the average of the top five at, actually is $23, and the top wide receiver is 16 But the average of the top tight end is only six because after Gronk, you know, there's not anybody else. Nothing nothing crazy. Yeah. So you got to get that. So we do the average of the top five of players that are more than one year. So kind of excluding the rentals, people that just kind of pay someone expensive for one year and do that. So we do that. So after, you know, the contract expired, you can franchise them. You can only franchise one player and you can only franchise them one year. And then it's kind of the other wrinkle we kind of added in over the years. We kind of kind of came up kind of naturally is you can actually trade that player to someone else and they can franchise them the second year. So the player can get franchised twice, but once they've been franchised twice in a row, they have to become a free agent after that. So it's kind of a little, you get a little wrinkle of two people that have players that they had coming off their franchise year and they can actually just swap the players and they can each franchise the opposite. So that, that happens occasionally, you kind of get those people pairing up, or you just get someone trading someone they can't franchise to someone for like a pick or something. It's like, hey, you can get this guy. Like I have, perfect example, I have Gronk. He's coming off a franchise year. I have him, someone can get him for $6, which is dirt cheap. Oh, you know? That's insane. But so you can't get him. I cannot, no matter what I do. So I'm debating, everyone knows this, when they would listen to this podcast, they want to, they won't, they won't get the inside track, but I can either, you know, trade them for, you know, whatever I can get, you know, sometimes they're late first round picks or early second round picks for guys, you know, which seems pretty fair. Or I can let them hit the open market and just let a frenzy go on them and let people spend all their money on him. Or maybe I can try to get him back or, or something for longer years. So it's kind of a strategy. See what I want to do. That I'm is still, an I'm interesting issue where you have to determine is it better for you to go after him in the free agent auction and spend that money? Or will you just rather get the pick where you might get a better return on your value? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it, it, is, the, it is interesting. Yeah. These are the kinds of decisions you have to make when you're in a salary cap league. It's, it's not as simple as I like Gronk. I'm always going to keep him forever. There's, there's basically penalties and advantages to everything that you do in a salary cap league. So one thing that we have, and I, you have it as well, when you pick up a player, you have to get rid of a player. So how does it work in your league when you cut a player? Yep. So, uh, so one thing I wanted to kind of hit on, you kind of mentioned earlier is you guys have to kind of either fill your roster, hit your cap. We don't have that. You can, you know, most teams have less than 28 players. So you can, you know, have extra cap space or you can, you know, you could have eight players if you wanted. So you can kind of, do it any way you want and have open spots. But if you have to, I kind of build my team with a lot of cheap players. So I usually hit the roster limit and I'm cutting players. So when you cut players, there's kind of two ways you can cut a player. So first off, the current year is paid for regardless, no matter what happens. Once the year rolls over, that player's locked in, you're paying him, you know, the $5 or whatever it is that's locked in. But if you cut him, so as an example, I have someone for, you know, I actually have Devontae Adams for four years at a dollar. I'm probably going to cut him. 
So I locked in for a dollar this year, but I got I got three more years at a dollar. So I can either pay half price for the next three years. So I can pay fifty cents in two thousand sixteen, fifty cents in seventeen and eighteen. I can do that, or I can kind of take the lump sum, take the whole dollar fifty, and absorb it onto my cap. We're still we're still in two thousand fifteen, so I can absorb it onto the cap in two thousand fifteen. So if I have cap room, so it's kind of a, an advantage of keeping cap room is you got to leave space to cut players. So I have, unfortunately, I have Pierre Garcon at $14 a year. I don't know what was wrong with me. I, I signed him for five years last year. Oh, $14 for five years? Yes, it was horrible. So I got made fun of so bad. It was so, wow. I got made fun of by the Redskins fan. I would imagine. <laughs> so I have him and I, I might cut him for and do the half price because I can't absorb the contract this year. Yeah, that so would it, that would eliminate a lot of your cap space this year. Yes. What is that? For seven yeah. times four twenty eight, that's a good amount of your 125 yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. So it's a uh, it's tough. It's definitely a balance of you know everyone's kind of learned we we've through this league, like I said, we're on almost 10 years. Towards the beginning a lot of us were doing, you know, hey this guy's awesome. He's never going anywhere, you know, like <laughs> Calvin Johnson or this guy's never getting hurt or you know all these guys. You sign these big contracts that are maybe a little cheaper than some other guys, but you sign them for five years and the guy busts and you're screwed mm-hmm. and you're stuck with them. So we've kind of learned a little bit now. So a lot of people, except for me with Garcon apparently, are signing guys for just, you know, one, two, three years for the big money and just kind of doing it like a rental. Or, you know, you do the cheaper guys for the five years. We're learning. Yeah, we we had that as well because – we started out and people were just bidding, 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 bidding. And then of course you wanted a player. So you just extended years, years, years. There were a lot of bad contracts in year one or as we go into year three, you can see how people have started to change that strategy. People Mm -hmm. changed it by year two. Uh, There, there was a a much more careful amount of bidding running backs got, I don't, I I think the only people that got a four year contract (laughs) last year were Todd Gurley, (laughs) <laughs> Melvin Gordon, because it's a four-year contract, but it's not terribly expensive. The guy's still trying to get rid of him, though. But, you know, <laughs> a player like that, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, he's going to get four years, and he's probably going to cost, like I said, $200 million cap. He's yeah. probably going to end up costing $40 million or something. Somebody's going to pay a lot of money to him because our league, that's just – you have to pay up for studs, and then you try and fill your roster with a bunch of junk players. So we handle cuts a little bit differently in the league I run. We have a couple of different categories. Uh, we have a retirement or an injury cut. Since the amount that you pay into the league is based on the salary, and that amount is guaranteed no matter what, if you sign some guy to a $50 million contract for four years, you're on the hook for real money, $5. So not a huge expense, but $5 a year for the next four years. No matter if that player is cut by you or not you don't get a refund you pay the real money value of the contract (laughs) however in our league what you can do is if you do cut a player you get some salary cap relief so ours is actually a percentage-based thing if you cut a guy due to retirement or injury it is zero you know if you cut them right when they retire or they're or they're injured so we there's a guy that has calvin johnson on a 40 million dollar contract for the next two years he hasn't cut him yet because you never know. Just in but case. Once, yeah, we have, you can cut players all the way up until I think right before our auction. My guess is he'll hold on to him until he has to cut him then. 
and then he's going to get $40 million in cap space to spend that night. Still going to be responsible for the money, but he has to do, he has to make that cut. So that's one way. We also have what I termed productivity cuts. This is where basically a player sucks. So you want to get rid of them or you're like me. And two years ago, you signed Adrian Peterson to be your stud running back. And then he beat his kid and got put on some list by the NFL that nobody's ever heard of. And I realized, all right, well, my team is screwed. So I cut him immediately. I had him on a $40 million two-year deal. In year one, I got a little bit back because I cut him right away. If you, in our league, if you cut somebody before week seven, you only take a 75% hit of that salary cap. So you get a little bit back. And then in year two, it's a 50% hit of that cap. Year three, 25%. So as you can see, it tears down until the contract ends, basically. If you wait until after week seven, you're paying the, you're paying the full cap price. It doesn't matter. So that, that's how ours works. Based on when you cut them, it then starts a tiering process. So it's going to hurt your cap long-term. We don't have the option to say, I'm taking all the cap hit in this year, but it's going to hurt you in the future. Yeah. It's always <laughs> going to hurt you. You're always going to still pay that money. So that's how in this league, if somebody is really balanced and they do a really good job, they could have a whole team for $10, $100 wow. million, but really 10 bucks. Whereas if somebody like me has to cut Adrian Peterson right away, they're still paying that fee. So my <laughs> $20 entry league, I have not yet paid that. <laughs> the first two years, the first two years, I definitely exceeded the $20. Again, the, the money doesn't matter. We don't play this league yeah. for money. The winner takes all the money. There's no runner up, no anything else in this league. It is my favorite league and is my least valuable league. The, the, yeah. cost, the cost to it is the $20 is worth the entertainment of the opening auction. So whatever you want to make your buy-in, it's not going to matter. When you, when you get a group that wants to play an auction league like this, it's outstanding. So cuts are a big part of it. Figuring out how you want to do a cut in your league definitely affects how people will manage their rosters. Now, of course, there's other transactions that take place most of the time in season, sometimes out of season. How do you guys handle trades in your league? So once the season starts, like I said, we're still in 2015, so we actually roll over in like July sometime. So once the season starts, you can trade. You have to trade the full contract. During the season, there's no partial contract trades. It's very kind of cut and dry. You know, I'm going to trade you, you know, like I said, Devontae Adams for, you know, a dollar a year for three years. I can going to trade him this whole contract to you for whatever. And as long as you have the roster space and the cap space, you kind of move them. So whether I trade him, you know, in week one or week 15, it costs the same. And my cap, you know, week 15 will go down a dollar as opposed to, you know, in week one, it'd still go down a dollar. So you can kind of get, get players for part of the year almost for free and then, then move them around. We kind of just have like an all-or-nothing approach. But in the off-season, we do trades. You can kind of trade just future years. So you can say, hey, I'm gonna, I'll eat this, this year's contract and I'll just trade you the future years because so you, you don't have to cap for them, but you will after you cut your players or whatever. So we kind of added that wrinkle. That was recent. We added that in a, year, a year or two ago just to kind of facilitate trading a little more because we had a lot of teams that were kind of in cap jail at the end of the year. So there wasn't a whole lot of trading going on. So we kind of opened that up so you can kind of trade the future years. So it's, it's definitely helped a lot. It's been a lot more trading. 
I've never heard the term cap jail, but I love that. I, as soon as you yeah. said it, I was like, oh, I know exactly what cap jail is. That's, yeah. that's, that's great. Um, we handle trades very differently. We do. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. We are, we are exact opposite leagues. We do have partial contract trades in our league. I don't know why I put that in. I thought it was cool at the time. This was the hardest part yeah, yeah. of programming the Excel sheet. You looked at it. I mean, I don't know if you actually clicked on any of the boxes and you saw that formula. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. But I, I have it now to the point where all I have to do is type in week traded into the Excel sheet, and then the computer does all the work for me. took me forever <laughs> to get it there, but it made my life easier at this point. So the way trades are handled in my salary cap league is if you trade somebody prior to week four, you are responsible for 25% of the contract you're trading away and 75% of the trade contract that you're trading for between week uh, before between week four and seven, it's 50, 50 split between week uh, seven and nine. It is the reverse. So then you're responsible for 75% of what you're trading away and 25% of what you're getting our league. You can trade after week 10, you can still make a trade, but a player is not playoff eligible. They can be on your roster in the regular season to get you to the playoffs. But if you trade after week 10, they're not playoff eligible. Our league rules state, a trade does not have to be fair. It just has to have a purpose. And you know what? If anybody doesn't want somebody else to get a stud player, all they have to do is be willing to pony up (laughs) and have themselves in the position to accept that future cap space. If you go for it in the playoffs, this is a winner-take-all league. So Mm -hmm. you have to go for it. And... I think that's going to continue to pick up. It, it it definitely increased from year one to year two. And yeah. I think I think once now people realize, look, I'm out of this. I'm about Julio Jones is coming off contract this year. You might as well try and dump some of your dead salary because there's no advantage to cutting it. You get a little bit of cap space back, but if you can get somebody to accept a future contract that's horrible, <laughs> that. That's golden. I, one of the guys talked to me today, and the guy that's trying to shop Melvin Gordon, he's like, I'd give him away for a kicker. Yeah, it's give funny you mentioned the, the, the trading there. I mean, I've done, like I said, I'm always like near like the, the roster max. So I've had to, because I want to pick up players. I think it was actually Rawls. I had no room, and I didn't want to cut anyone. So I literally, because I would have taken the expense, I literally gave players away. For oh, nothing. wow. So it's just a complete dump, and it was like a like a flyer, you know, like a, Lorenzo Talaferro kind of kind of player, which is the complete crapshoot. But just hey, take them. Who wants them? First come, first serve. Yeah, and that, that's what you got to do sometimes when you're play when you're playing a cap space game. All of a sudden, numbers become so much more important. If you don't find numbers fun, if you really <laughs> don't, if you don't find numbers fun, you're not going to like a salary cap league. You might participate in one you'll get crushed because all of a sudden you're going to be the guy that has like five players on terrible contracts and the people that enjoy looking at numbers, they've figured out the system and yeah. it will take a, no matter what, how you set your league up, nobody's going to know what they're doing right away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's just no way we were totally lost. I set the system up and my team was horrible. Now, a lot of that is on Adrian Peterson. I will blame him till the day I die. He <laughs> ruined my team. He ruined my first two years. And I knew it right away. So I, yeah. initially, I I started dumping right away. I was giving away everybody to get rid of every future contract. I, I, wonder, I wonder if this is going to happen in yours. Since you had to start up, people probably signed a lot of players to four-year deals. 
we had our when we had our startup, we did a, everyone did five year deals, and after a couple of years, people were complaining. Oh, their free agency is horrible. There's no one out there. I'm like, just just wait a bit. Yeah, but year five was chaos because it was every stud was coming off. So we we didn't have franchises yet, so it was just chaos. And then now it's staggering. So now once we got that point where people are now signing players a couple of year deals, not everyone's doing the five year deals. So every year there's some studs coming off, so which is good. But that first like four years, the free agency was atrocious. Yeah, I, I thought that's how it was going to go, that everybody would just sign everybody to the four-year deals. That's not how it went. I was shocked. <laughs> People actually spaced them out. People, wow. Nobody – I've talked oh, – I'm, I'm going to get nothing but people that love running backs saying, why do you hate running backs so much? <laughs> I have never trusted them. But the rest of this league also did not give a lot of trust <laughs> to the running backs. Uh, you know, I signed Adrian Peterson to two years, and this was this was two years ago. So it's not like he was old. I mean, he was, but he was still Adrian yeah. Peterson. Yeah. So every year, I, running back in, in this particular league is, I think it's eventually going to get to the point where if you get a rookie, you're going to sign him to four years. Yeah. Other than that, like you're not signing a, a running back to more than one year. They just they don't last. It doesn't matter who they are, you know. You sign Jamal Charles; he's great for a few games, and then he's out. So what do you do? Could you hold all that salary cap space, and then next year hope that he comes back? So oh, nope. yeah. if you only have him on one year, you cut him immediately. You get all the cap space back, and then you go and you outbid for his replacement. So it it it's. I'm getting excited because I love salary cap stuff. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, if if you're into that kind of, you know, <laughs> n- number crunching. And so we we had actually a pretty good spacing. I, there's no way to set it to do that. Ours just happened that way. We did have two guys that did not spend a lot of money. They They bid a real, they bid hard on a few players and then saved about half their cap space. So at the end of the night, they were the only two left with either with both cap space and roster spots. They had a field day. So if you're <laughs> going to do one like this, be aware of that. One of the guys signed DeAndre Hopkins for a half million dollars, which <laughs> was our minimum salary, for four years. Now, this was two years ago, so nobody really knew that DeAndre Hopkins was DeAndre Hopkins. That was an awesome signing. The other guy signed Calvin Benjamin. Again, he might not be awesome, but he got him for a half million dollars for four years two yeah. years ago. So that <laughs> year, year one with him was awesome. Of course, year two was worthless. Now, both of those contracts are on my roster now. <laughs> <laughs> and shockingly, the guy that I traded for DeAndre Hopkins won the league in year one. The guy that I traded for uh, Kelvin Benjamin last year when Kelvin Benjamin was on IR he won the league. So clearly the, the key to winning the league is just giving me your awesome contract. <laughs> so I, I had to do it. I had, I had no chance at winning. You know, if you're not going to win it all, you might as well build your team to try and win it all. So I have my two wide receivers at the minimum contract <laughs> going into this year. I'm, I'm just salivating. I can't wait. I can't wait for the year to start. So everybody, everybody knew, knows exactly what I did too. Cause I, I signed um, Antonio Brown to a contract during the auction. And then mm-hmm. as soon as it ended, I offered a trade to the guy with Kelvin Benjamin and Andrew Luck. The Antonio Brown contract was for more than one year. Yeah. He accepted it, of course, because Kelvin Benjamin was hurt. As soon as he got hurt, you know, 
He <laughs> obviously was of no use to him. He knew he was in, a, in the position to have a chance to win, so he accepted it. Now, of course, he took Antonio Brown on his team. He's not going to have enough money now to get Andrew Luck back. So, And what's hilarious is as soon as that trade went through and it got posted, I got multiple texts saying, I know what you just did. We, we see what you just did. Like people Box were paying out. attention. Yep, they knew it. And But hey, he, it's my brother that I did it to. Oh, well, that's fine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I should feel bad or good, but he knew it. He knew it too, but he couldn't pass it up because it was an unbelievable deal for him and it, and it won the championship for him. That's what makes these types of this type of league very different because there is so much carryover and every decision you make just totally affects what you do in the future. So Yeah, oh definitely. Now you said you started out with ten people. We started with eight and went to ten. We actually you, started, we actually started with twelve and Oh, you started down. with twelve. You went down. Okay. So you guys drop out and we couldn't find replacements in the group, so we decided to consolidate and I think I think we just kind of liquidated the, the team and just kind of put up all the players for auction. We just kind of had a free-for-all. Okay, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask. Is how, did, how did you handle that? So so you guys haven't had any any changeover then, have you? Uh, every couple of years, kind of one player drops out and have someone slot in, but we actually lucky haven't had more than one player change, and it's, it's been fine. So, Do they just take over an existing roster? Yeah, we had someone, was it the last year or two years ago? Yeah, took over the roster, and there was a couple atrocious contracts. We kind of agreed as a league, hey, you can just drop those guys for free. That's you know, nice. I forget who it was. And then, uh, yeah, this year someone's taken over a team. And, you know, I think it has, you know, Ray Rice or something like that for a couple of years and, you know, might let him drop them for free and just move on. But, but yeah, one of, the, one of the guys that took over the horrible team last year actually went, uh, he wanted me to point, it at, point out in the podcast here that he went, right, uh, somehow went 8-8 eight eight on this horrible roster he just you know made some good moves and you know everything clicked right and kind of survived all right give us give us twitter a bump and, and everybody <laughs> can give him a high five emoji yeah <laughs> so we um yeah we we haven't had any changeover but like i said we did expand and i kind of touched on that how you know went in the empire league podcast because the rules are going to be the same basically in the salary cap should we have any changeover but if you didn't listen to that one and you're thinking on how you might have a changeover, one, you should go back and listen to it. It's an awesome episode. Oh, yeah, are you but, listening? Uh, <laughs> but uh, so the way we handle an ownership change, if it happens, I'm hoping it never does. But basically the person can come in and they're going to get a chance to take some players off of other rosters. You can only protect so many contracts out of the contracts that you have. Everything else is up for grabs. Now, the person coming in can basically take that, that um, contract, the player, and they can offer a contract back. If the person doesn't want to take that contract back, they just have to give that player away for free. So it's a way for them to kind of make some adjustments to the roster without having to do a complete and total restart. There's lots of ways to bring somebody into a league. Somebody can come into a league and just say, hey, you know what? You're joining us a league that's fun. You're going to just take the hit. I like Mike's idea of just saying, you know what, those you're coming into a bad spot. That's just not fair. Those contracts that you have, so we're just going to let you drop them. You know, that's a nice little welcoming to to a new owner. So there, there's lots of ways to do that to expand to change. Hopefully, you yeah. never have to do it, but there are ways to do it. Yeah, I mean, looking at the guy's team that has Ray Rice, but he also has uh, Odell Beckham for three more years. He's got Evans for three more years. You know, he's got some. 
got some decent guys. He's got uh, Le'Veon Bell for two more years. So he's got some, got some good pieces there. It's not like a horrible team. It's just that absolutely horrible contract. Yeah. I, I, I had Ray Rice actually too. On the thing. <laughs> I, I literally had Adrian Peterson and Ray Rice at, at oh, the start of that league. That's and brutal. they both ended up on the oh, commissioner's exempt. That's the name of the list. The commissioner's exempt yes. list. Have you ever heard of that list? I, no. Yes. I've ever heard about that. <laughs> Not I, much I, had, about it. I had never heard of it. And I'm like, do I need to write this into the rules somewhere? Like, is this there's suspensions don't count. Like you don't, if you're, if you have Martavis Bryant, tough luck. You're just going to pay for it. He's going to eat up your cap. That's not our fault that your person is too stupid to pass a drug test. So, yeah. but then the commissioner exemplist. Oh man, I'm, I'm just going to keep reliving the Adrian Peterson Ray Rice year because it ruined me for two years. But yeah, I, I finally got it back. So, uh, there, that's that's a big part of salary cap leagues is kind of accepting defeat sometimes and realizing what you have to do in the future. So, do you guys have any type of uh, you know, competitive rules or anti-tanking rules in yours? Uh, it's a pretty friendly group. We don't have anything kind of written in stone. Mm -hmm. You know, we've kind of called each other out a couple times. It's like, hey, dude, like you put that, you started that guy that was obviously, you know, out, what's up and that kind of thing. And if it affects the game or the score, we'll kind of adjust it or just kind of play it by ear. So it's a pretty, you know, close group of, you know, on, well, online friends, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's definitely uh, very civil. We've kind of all done just a general for the betterment of the league kind of rule, or it's let's kind of all discuss it, and if something's you know horrible, we'll fix it and just kind of play it by ear. So yeah, because you know, your your draft order is, I assume, determined by order of finish the year before, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So so tanking actually can help you land some good, better contracts yeah. in that, but. That, that's good if you don't have to deal with it. Ideally, if you're yeah. going to be in a league like this, that's the best way is just to not have to deal with it. I, I, have a, I, I don't have any anti-tanking rules because we, I just said, you know what? If you want to tank your season, I understand that. And we're just going to make it an open yeah. market because that way, you know, the teams that are going for the win, they understand there's also teams that are not going for the win and they're just trying to set themselves up for the future. So, again polar opposites <laughs> yeah. i don't encourage tanking but at the same time i understand that it makes sense if you're out of it to rebuild as fast as you can and a lot of times the only way to do that is to shed bad contracts which means giving up good players and starting well, bad starting bad players by by like the no tanking thing i think you know i was kind of hitting on uh like kind of a sit start thing like you can't purposely start bad players that kind of thing but I think it's a, definitely a staple in salary leagues that you can, you know, move, especially aspiring contracts that have no yeah. value. That's definitely part of the strategy is just really selling those guys. It's like in a dynasty league selling me like Peyton Manning like a year or so ago, which is, <laughs> Hey, this guy's not worth much and I'm rebuilding. I'm not worth, I'm not getting there. I'm going to sell him. It's kind of yeah. the, the, the similar mindset. It's just selling those guys that aren't going to be on your team when you actually have a chance. So it's definitely yeah. a, a big strategy. Yeah, wins or wins or losses. Once you're out of it, like in mine, it doesn't it doesn't affect your future position. You don't get a better draft spot. So, I don't really see that there's a motivating factor to actually trying to lose games. So, hopefully, I don't ever have to worry about that. I can't. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm not sure the scenario. It might come up someday. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure the scenario where somebody would try and tank a game. Hopefully. That'll never happen. So yeah. <laughs> people are always going to try and win. They're just going to try and win with terrible players. I'm, uh, I'm assuming 
you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. I, I think we've covered a lot of the salary cap things. Are there any other things that you guys have in your leagues that we didn't uh, hit, hit on? Just a couple. One is kind of IR because you, you hit on so if you put your player in IR, what did what did you say? What happened with your guys if they if if you, if you I if you put a, if you put them on IR, if it's a if it's a full season IR, yeah, you you get the salary cap space back for that year, and they don't count against your roster spot. Or no okay. no no, I'm sorry I'm sorry that's wrong that's wrong. If you put them on IR, the salary still counts against your cap. The roster spot does not count against you, so you okay. still have that cap hit. If you cut them because they are on IR, then you get a zero salary cap hit. So like okay. last year, there was a guy who had Tyler Eifert. He had him last year, and he's got him this upcoming year. Yeah. And he has him at a – I'm in Cincinnati, so we're all Bengals fans. So yeah. <laughs> Bengals, are, Bengals go at a premium price in this league. Uh, uh, it's just how it is. So he, he had Tyler Eifert at a, at a more expensive price. Yeah. And when he got hurt and IR'd, he wanted to cut him to save the cap space, but then he knew he wasn't going to get him back the next year. So he ended up just playing out the whole year with Tyler Eifert, you know, going against his cap space. He did pick up yeah. another player, but obviously wasn't anywhere near the production. Yeah. So how do you guys do yours? Yeah, so we do kind of have – this is kind of the only formula we really kind of have in terms of complicated things. We do actually – the number of weeks played divided by 16 to kind of scale it through, through the season. And then times like kind of we do 75% of their, their salary and kind of take that against the hit. So the later in the season it is, the less cap relief you get. But for us, it actually still takes up the roster spot, but we have, you know, like I said, 28 roster spots. So it's generally not an issue, but it's, you know, gives you that cap relief. Yeah. We only have with us only having 20 roster spots uh, and, you we only have two IR spots. If you've got two players on IR, which last year last year people did. Last yes. year was a brutal year, but we we decided on twenty because we we wanted to still have players available on the waiver wire. We didn't want it to be completely empty. Yeah, we probably could have gone a little bit higher. If you're thinking of starting one twenty to twenty five, I think is a pretty good number. Twenty eight, twenty eight's plenty good as well. But I mean, like you said, you guys don't even use your you don't use it as an IR roster yeah. spot then. The, av- the average in a year is like anywhere from 23 to 25. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So kind of some of the, some of the other rules is, uh, I just lost my train of thought there. So one of them is the emergency pickup. Mm-hmm. This actually started when we had kickers. So we had, and it still applies now for any player. Let's say you have just like only carrying two quarterbacks in your team. You know, we don't let it be used for, foreseen things so if you have two players and they're on by like you know that ahead of time it's your own fault for not fixing that you know getting a different player but if like last minute you have like let's say you have like dalton and teddy bridgewater are your two players and they have different bye weeks that's you're fine all that kind of stuff and like the day before a game teddy gets ruled out and you have no quarterbacks we allow you to do an emergency pickup so it costs you one dollar you can pick up any quarterback that's on the waiver wire play him that game, and then you have to cut him right after. So it costs you a dollar for that week to play a player. So we had that for kickers because kickers, you know, they're fragile and just fall down all the time. But uh, <laughs> so we kind of had that. So it kind of comes into play once and maybe once every other season where something crazy happens, like all their running backs are by, and then all of a sudden someone gets hurt last minute and you just need someone to start. 
So kind of added that in there and, and cost you just, you know, cost you a buck. So it costs a little bit against your cap, but you can't keep them. You got to drop them right back. Do you guys, do you guys require uh, every starting spot to be filled then obviously? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We, so we, we do, we do as well. I, yeah. I have seen, I have seen some leagues where it's actually not required. Usually these are ones with fewer roster spots. It, yeah. it seems like, because obviously you don't want to have to drop a good player just because they're on by to pick somebody up. So yeah. That's a consideration to make if you're thinking of starting a salary cap league. That's why you want to have a little bit bigger rosters than just your standard 14 or 16 players on a roster, you know, for like what you, you, what you would think for a redraft league. Um, yeah. Because you don't want to ever have to force somebody into making a transaction that they don't want to have. I don't know, I don't know when my players are going to be on by next year in 2017, <laughs> but I know who's going to be on my team. And if it, if it happens that the bye weeks just line up wrong – I have to plan for that, but I have seen smaller roster leagues that allow you to basically, if you don't yeah. have a player active that week, you can start and just take a zero. Makes sense. That makes sense. So that's, that's one reason to have larger roster sizes. Like yeah. I think, I think we're increasing ours. We're going to try and do taxis. I, I'm still trying to figure out, do you guys have taxis in yours? No, no, they would definitely, like I said, kind of thinking about adding it. Yeah. Putting it for a boat. And then uh, it's kind of the other, other just little, differences we had because you said the player retires you can kind of cut them and get some cap relief and that sort of thing we instituted a rule because it was a lot of back and forth with the, the whole tony tony gonzalez retiring unretiring and that just screwed us all up so we have it retires or not you're on the hook you sign right last year you signed calvin johnson for five years you're paying him for five years there's Ooh. no re, no relief so it's scary signing those guys later like the older guys so we have that and the we call it the mike vick rule the guy goes to jail, you're, pay, you're paying him. You're paying him still. You so better. There's no, no relief for that. You guys then, do it. You guys do it of another situation where you do get relief. Are you getting ready to yes, touch on so, that one? Uh, I'm sure you're aware of this this uh, guy who's unfortunate death. Uh, was it I Chris, am. Chris Henry was a gambler, yep. right? Yeah. Uh, yes, some, years, some years back, he died during the se- season. Was it during the season or off season? I forget. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember, but. We have, uh, yeah, we have a rule. If someone player dies, you get cap relief. You can cut him for free. Yeah. I, I wasn't playing any type of long-term dynasty or salary <laughs> cap league when that happened. As I've started looking at leagues, I have seen death written into so many rules now. Yeah. And it has to all be in reaction to what happened with Chris Henry. Yeah. I mean, it, like, thing, yeah. it should be the Chris Henry rule. I, the the retirement and injury thing I actually handle a little bit differently in the salary cap portion of the Empire League. Okay. So since since that league is a one big entry fee, and you're not paying actually the value of the contracts, I had mm-hmm. to formulate a little bit different of a plan. So in that one, you're gonna take a cap hit instead of it just being a zero if you cut if somebody retires. Yeah. I felt I felt that in my original salary cap league, the punishment of paying the paying the real money, I'm okay with that. I actually want people paying more money than getting cap space, signing more people, and paying more money into it. You know, yeah. <laughs> because we're playing for so cheap, that's kind of a punishment when all of a sudden you're paying twice as much as another team because you made you signed bad contracts. You might get a little relief in the caps, and nobody actually cares about how much they're ending up paying, but it's still. Yeah. It's still gonna suck if you're paying thirty dollars to play in a league that somebody else is paying ten dollars to play in. Especially, if you keep, yeah, yeah, that's that's gonna be horrible. We haven't we haven't crossed that bridge yet. 
it would be interesting if we ever can get to that point. But so in the Empire League and the salary cap portion of that, if you cut a player, it's going to be 50% the year you cut them if it's an injury or retirement. So you're still taking a cap hit because I feel there does have to be a punishment because you, I mean, not a punishment, but a payment because you signed that contract. You have to be liable for it. If I can't make you financially liable like we did in the salary cap league, we're going to make you salary salary cap liable. So it'll be yeah. 50% the year that you cut them, 25% the year after against your salary cap. So you're still going to get a pretty good amount of relief if you happen to get out of a bad contract, like having Calvin Johnson yeah. way too much money, and then he retires. So there's there's lots lots of ways to run a salary cap league. Hopefully, if you're tuning into this, you've listened to it, and at this point now, you really want to start a salary <laughs> cap league, or you're terrified, <laughs> and you think Mike and I are crazy. It, it really is. It, it's a lot of work to start one. I I am not kidding, but it is so worth it. The amount of work I put into it, I've gotten back tenfold in the entertainment that I've gotten out of it. Uh, do you share that same same yeah. feeling? I think so. Definitely. Uh, I mean, I have people that are, you know, on this forum that have done this league for 10 years and they've said, Hey, I'm, I got a family now. I got four kids and all that kind of stuff. And this is the only league I do. I dropped my redraft. I dropped other stuff. And, but this one is awesome. I've been with it from the beginning and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's great. Yeah. This is, this is the league. This is the league that made me realize there is more to fantasy football than a single season redraft league. So same as, for me. Same for me. as soon as I started the salary cap league, that was, I called it the tipping point and <laughs> it was, I have gone off. I've gone overboard and it's all led up to this. If I hadn't started that salary cap league, I would not be talking to you right now about <laughs> salary cap leagues. I would not have a podcast called fantasy insanity. Yeah, <laughs> but if you if you are interested in a salary cap league, I encourage you to try it. Give it a shot. Make sure you have good owners that are flexible as you go through the process. The first year, it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world. You're going to have to try and do everything you can to cover everything you want. But yeah. you're going to go through year one, and you're going to say, you know what? There's some things we need to tweak as we go in the year two. The you can use my formula. You can use Mike's formula. It might not be an ideal fit for what exactly the vision that you have for a salary cap league. This is why you don't see people talking, well, in the salary cap league, I would like this player. How do you think this player would go? We're going to touch on that right now. Yeah. So, uh, after I contacted Mike to be on the podcast talking MFL 10s, I happened to see a post of Mike's. <laughs> uh, talking about a trade in a salary cap league. Those are rare. You don't see people even asking. There's no trade calculator out there that can actually evaluate a salary cap league trade. So Mike, what was the trade offer that you were thinking of? So before, you know, if you think about it from a dynasty perspective, it's not the best trade, but I, I but from a salary cap, it made sense. So I traded A-Rob and the 106 and Rawls for the one one one, so Zeke Elliott, and a 2017 first. So it sounds everyone's like, oh, A Rob, you know, you get giving him up, and like all this, you're getting a running back, all this stuff. But I only had A Rob for I think it was two more, two or three more years. And I'm getting Zeke for five years in the 2017 first. I get him for five years, and who knows what's happening with Rawls. So it was. 
you know, if I had Arab for five years, that's a different story. But like two or three years, it comes into play. And then my wide receivers are already pretty loaded for the next two years. So when he came off, I would have been losing other wide receivers anyway. You know, I have T.Y. Hilton. I got Hopkins. I got Moncrief. I got Watkins. Kevin White, if he does anything. You know, Tyler Lockett. All these guys. So it was, you know, a trade that kind of made sense for both of us. Yeah, so when I saw your tweet, my initial response was, A-Rob, you have to keep A-Rob. <laughs> then you said it was a salary cap league, and I was like, well, okay. Do you have, you know, I asked for more details. And I think you then sent me, you know, basically it'd be this many years versus this many years. And at that point, I started to waver. Then I realized you were just as in the salary cap leagues as I was. So then I then you sent me the whole file, and I looked over your whole roster, the other guy's whole roster, and I did a complete 180 from my initial, you got to keep A-Rob. Then it was, you have to get rid of A-Rob. It makes no sense to keep him. So salary cap trades are completely situational. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think you got the better end of that deal. I don't know if the guy that you're trading with, you know, you said that he likes Thomas Rolls a lot. So if he's listening, he's probably happy with the deal too. Yeah. And then the other thing too is, you know, you get to realize what players in free agency go for. Here are running backs. The, the stud running backs go for just a couple of years, but they go for the low, in the low 20s. So it's super expensive. Whereas the top wide receivers go for, you know, in the mid to high teens, because there's so many of them. Because you're only getting them for a short window. You're not worried about the longevity. You're not getting the, the get. You're not getting the longevity from the wide receiver. So who cares? So you know, I'm getting the running back. You know, Zeke Elliott. You know, I'm getting him for four dollars. That's what the, a rookie costs for the, the 101. Getting him for four dollars versus if he was a free agent, it would cost me twenty four dollars. So that's kind of the main reason I made the trade. And that's yeah. That's a that's a huge difference. If you're saving that much money. You can use all that money to fill in so many other roster spots. You have Zeke as your starter for, you know, the peak of his career, which everybody expects to be day one to probably the next five or six years. You're going to get the majority out of that. Yep. So those are the kinds of things that it helps. You have to know your league. You're not going to know your league when that opening, if you start with an auction or a draft, you're not going to know the value of any player. There is nothing out there. Like I said, we we try we did ours at two hundred million because that's kind of what we thought. The auction cheat sheets they base their redraft versions on that. Those sheets we could have just shredded because it, it's a totally different experience. There there's no way to know the value. You're only playing with you know ten other people or nine other people. If there's one person that loves a player, that player is going to be valued so much higher, and that contract is going to reflect that. Even if you know if it's somebody they're taking at the first pick that you think should have been there at the 10, you know, there, there's just, it's, it's tough to evaluate what other people are going to think as you go through your league, you're going to start to pick up on those patterns if you pay attention to it. So you're the commissioner of yours. Yeah. <laughs> I, I assume, you know, most of the contracts in your league. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some good ones and bad ones and certain players. Uh, if he watches this, he's no, know who he, who he is. Whenever it's, he's, he's very like, <laughs> succinct to not overbidding players. I thought I could get him to outbid on uh, Garcon because he's a Washington fan, but I got stuck with it. So that's you stuck at 14. <laughs> about two years, like a year or two later. So. Uh, so there's definitely players that you realize that are loading up on certain things. So certain players load up on, you know, quarterbacks, you know, the cheap quarterbacks and try to flip them because 
paid. No one else is out there. And I got all these quarterbacks for a dollar, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's, there's definitely different tendencies that you kind of pick up. Yeah. And you have to follow that because you're not going to know, you're not going to know what they're basing it on. If you're doing a redraft league, everybody's looking at, you know, whatever the football diehards yep. ranking, whatever sheet you're going off for a redraft league, everybody else in your draft, they have that same sheet pulled up and they're looking at the same thing. So everybody's going to know the value when you open one of these, these things where somebody says, you know, I think this player has got four years left on his deal. I'm in, I'm in for four years where somebody else thinks, you know what? I'm only willing to go one year on him. The, the league will vary like nothing else. So you have to know your league. But I highly yeah. encourage people to give this type of league a shot. It is so much fun. Yeah. I think I think we are way over time. Oh, probably. I, <laughs> I, I don't even remember what time we started. I think we were <laughs> I, I was hoping to target an hour, but <laughs> salary cap league is just I really do. I love salary cap league. So <laughs> with that, I think I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up. We don't have any out of the league stuff this episode because we asked Mike that stuff on his previous yep. episode that I'm sure all of you have already listened to. If you haven't, go back and listen to it now. Do yourself a favor. Go back and listen to that one, then join some MFL tens if they're still running and win some money. He guarantees you that you're gonna win money if you listen. Oh, well, yes. he guarantees to help you. So you know, like he said, being better than 10% is winning. That is the target in those. So I, I thank you all for tuning in. Mike, thanks for joining me for the salary cap talk. This was great. I, oh, I, could, awesome. talk, I could talk salary cap stuff forever. It, oh, it yeah. really is. It's the best kind of fantasy football out there. It's so much fun. So thanks for joining me tonight. Again, follow Mike on Twitter. Interact with him at MikeMarFF. I remembered it this time. And you can interact with me at EmpireFFL. If you have questions about how to start a salary cap league, reach out to us. We are here to help. <laughs> We've gone through that starting process in very different ways, but both have achieved successful leagues that you have to have it set up correctly. Uh, you have to have a solid base and you have to be willing to adapt. And the stronger you are when you start, the better off your league is going to be. If you start with terrible rules, your league will fall apart and crumble no matter how strong of owners you have. So definitely, definitely keep, you know, keep that in mind when you're trying to start something up, make it your vision, but try and base it on other things that have lasted. And if you want to reach out to us and ask us, so I thank you all for tuning in tonight. Um, I do want to say, you know, if, if you want to listen to this podcast, there are ways other than just iTunes or whatever else you're listening to it. If you want to listen to it on commissiontalk.com, it is on there. It's hosted there now. So Feel free to go through that website. He's got a lot of great content and a lot of great ideas on there as well. So I'm going to give him a plug as much as I can. So go through there if you're looking for unique ways for your league to improve. And uh, reach out to us if you want any help. Thanks for being, awesome. uh, joining us tonight and enjoy the insanity. Thanks a lot.